Everyone, it's Monday, so we've got another episode of the Road to Revenue series. We took over the Breakfast of Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club, for a BYOQ. That's right, you bring the questions, I brought the answers. You're going to learn about seeking an open mind versus running into a brick wall, and make sure you take inventory of your truth every day. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs, the Playbook. Dave, if uh, the first question of the day here is from Instagram. The question is, why do I wake up more tired than when I go to bed? 12 hours determined on who you are, that you should wake up more tired than when you went to sleep. Uh, you know, I talk about my unwinding routine for this very purpose is that an indication that you're working against yourself is if you wake up more tired than when you went to sleep, regardless of how long that you've been sleeping. Uh, it indicates to me that you either biochemically are putting things into your body that are exhausting you, or most likely you are hanging on to subconsciously and even fighting unconsciously some negative energies, thoughts, and resistance that is wearing you out when you should be, number one, recovering, and two, accessing. Accessing the extraordinary information from the all-powerful, the all-omniscient, all-knowing. And too many people are being uh, notified when they wake up if you are starting the day at the same spot that you started yesterday. If you are pushing a boulder to the top of the hill, just to have it roll down every day. If you are feeling stuck, you are not utilizing the most valuable time that you have to number one, recover, and two, to access without the ego. See, you're utilizing a great opportunity to get your ego out of your way. Instead, you're programming yourself in the recovery to wear yourself out. So one of the key indicators of why we want to unwind correctly, recover correctly, correctly, and access correctly is if we wake up and we're more tired than we were when we went to sleep, you're doing things wrong. It's an indicator. It's a pain, a setback, a failure, a mistake that should be propelling you to a better place, a better situation. So you feel better each day. You're more productive, being able to provide more value, more accessible not only accessible to others because you're rested and recovered and happy, but also able to access more, learn more lessons, make more money and have more fun. But also it actually applies to your gratitude. If you are rested, especially if you're in this plateau and grow strategy, you're capable of what? Finding the light, the love and the lessons in all situations, even ones that initially appear to be resistance, even one initially that appear to be pain, setbacks, failures, you now are utilizing your system the way it was designed to be. The reason we go to sleep is so that we can recover and access all information in that manner. So uh, utilizing that methodology uh, to do so, please think about how you feel in the morning and make the adjustments necessary to be productive, accessible, gracious. What a great question to start out with. Uh, Jake, do we have someone that wants to come up and ask a question on Clubhouse? Uh, yes, we do. The first up is David Moreno. So, Dave, if you can please unmute yourself, welcome to the Clubhouse, and feel free to ask your question. Morning, morning, Clubhouse. Morning, Dave. Morning, Jake. 
my question is a piggyback off of uh, our LinkedIn Live this morning, Dave. And and with this being BYOQ and, and all about asking questions and, you know, you speak that one of the, the biggest issues folks have is asking questions. But we touched on a little bit earlier this morning uh, when to stop asking questions or when to, to, to change the type of questions you're asking. What advice do you have for folks that, that are, you know, confident enough to ask, but then maybe ask a little bit too much? And that's why... Timing is so important and time and risk tolerance is so important. Taking inventory of your values is so important. But you actually have to, when you take inventory of why you're asking questions, what is your objective? Is your objective to stimulate interest to get someone to call you back? One of, I think, the biggest tragedies in sales is that people call, they'll cold call all day long and forget their objective. 80% of all calls aren't answered. Therefore, 80% of all calls made especially on a telephone cold calling, you only have one objective, and that is to leave a message to stimulate interest in order for the person to call you back. Unless, of course, it's your in-laws, then you may change the objective to leave or ask questions or a message that resists them from calling you back. But most of the time on that 80% of your activity, activity that is just specific to doing business, then you have to hone in the questions in order to what? Get someone to call you back or transition interest or share a vision. When do we stop asking questions? When we have achieved the objective of gathering enough information in order to move to the next step or milestone in our own uh, plan. And so many people ask questions uh, with no purpose, with no objective. And they unfortunately create a vision that is not one in which would be efficient, effective, or statistically successful in the objective they have of asking the questions. So, for example, I have an open-ended template questionnaire that allows us specifically to pick an objective. Let's say that I was interested in solar and I wanted to ask questions with the objective of selling you solar, David. Then I would ask you a simple question. What are you doing today about solar? What, what do you think about solar? That any open-ended question where you start telling me what you think or what in where you are with solar. And then I would say, would it help you if I was able to provide you $200 saving on your electric bill and increase the value of your home 20%? Does that sound like something that would interest you? If we use the correct questions, we don't want to then, if the person said, that'd be great, we don't then want to say, well, what are you doing for home batteries? And did it? No, no, no. You already have them into a shared vision. Now you can utilize the credibility, emotional attachment, quantifying and articulating the reasons, impacts and capabilities to articulate a value greater than what you're going to be asking for. So many people ask too many questions because they are so busy working or asking, they forget to meet their objective. And so make sure that you have an objective up front and the questions that you're asking are open-ended and leading or closed in order to effectuate the result or objective that you set forth. Does that sound fair? Did that answer your question, Dave Moreno? It sure did. It sure did. Thank you, buddy. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a question here on the, the, the webinar that we do. I've been doing these trainings uh, for over 21 years. That says the BYOQ training. Bring the questions, I'll bring the answer. Do you ever think about how much money you've missed out on in terms of business deals? Uh, well, I try not to focus in on what's missing, what I don't have or what other people want for me. 
Um, but assessing improvement of, you know, where and how I can make more money, help more people and have more fun, uh, absolutely analyze where opportunities could be maximized further. Uh, and I obviously, like many, many other people have missed out uh, by not doing things at my potential or pursuing that potential many times. I've screwed up many deals. I mean, for goodness sake, I went bankrupt and lost everything in 2008, over $100 million. So uh, I think about what can I do better? What did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? And one of the things uh, that I found was that I was not codifying uh, opportunities that uh, I had actually effectuated or executed on. Um, and so for me, um, I utilize an overlap agreement uh, in order to make sure that anyone from my dentist to the realtor to the financial planners that I work with to anyone, a car salesman, or even more importantly, you know, other businesses that I may be more heavily involved with, that I codify the expectation of being able to refer business and get paid mutually for bringing business and receiving business from others. And this one mechanism has you know, reached almost to eight figures now throughout the 10 years that I've been doing it uh, because I was sick and tired as I looked and said to myself, what did I do to attract this to myself and what am I supposed to learn from it? Uh, I had a need to be offended and resentful for helping people. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing, this need to be offended. The other day uh, I was speaking in Las Vegas uh, and someone that I mentor in speaking was speaking before me and I'm sitting backstage uh, with Colleen, the president of my company. And she's been with me for, you know, in fact, today's her birthday. So I don't want to tell you how long she's been, but happy birthday, Colleen, by the way, I, everybody loves you. Uh, I hope you are celebrating and enjoying your special day. Remember, you uh, are allowed to wish for more wishes. That's a, a fallacy that's not true. So keep on wishing the multiple wishes and may they all come true for you. Uh, anyway, we were sitting backstage and this person uh, was speaking before me, was literally verbatim uh, speaking parts of my speech. You know, be more interested than interesting, be kind to your future self, do good deeds, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, effective communication. And I had a huge need to be offended. I'm sitting backstage thinking to myself, are you kidding me? I got to step on stage and re-engineer my entire speech because he's stolen, in my opinion, at that time, my speech. And I even went and looked through the curtain and gave him the stink eye thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this to me. And then of course, uh, my higher thinking, my higher self took over and I stopped and breathed and thought about what my mission was, what my objectives were, which is simply to empower others, to empower others, to be happy, to help people make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I'm looking, which is why I come here every single Friday at 6 a.m. is to help and find a thousand people, this breakfast of champions that we can empower to find another thousand, to find another thousand, a thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion. And I thought about it and I said, isn't that funny? In the past, I would have ruined this relationship. <coughs> for over 10 years, I've been helping this person. They've been helping me. And for over 10 years, I would have attacked this person uh, and, you know, as I thought about it, I said, what is he doing wrong? He's only doing what I'm asking, which is taking what I teach and utilizing it to empower others. I never said transform or transcode or translate 
my ideas into some other form factor, et cetera. I just said, can you please help me? My mission in life is to empower others to be happy, to make money, help people and have fun. And I turned that fear, that offense into joy. And when he came off stage, I gave him a huge hug and I said, thank you so much, man. Thank you for carrying our mission. What an amazing speech. But the previous Dave, the ignorant, arrogant one who thinks somehow that I own what I say when every single thing that I teach and say is just taken from somewhere or someone else and re-engineered into whatever vibration or frequency that I carry, I hopefully add some appreciation to it, some value to it. Uh, but in the end, since everything already exists, nothing is original. And you know that forgiveness in my heart, that understanding of the ego uh, is so essential. And utilizing that abundant attitude and codifying this abundance without being offended that for years I've brought and helped people and given them business and never asked for anything in return, uh, I started to ask uh, and ask for business and ask for a portion of the business if I brought business either as a finder's fee or as an assistant or what I call a procuring cause to help someone make money. Um, and this little agreement has changed my energy, my life, and my finances by simply codifying so that I can remember and search what opportunities I have in order to help other people, but also help myself. So make sure that you're focused in on the right things. Don't focus in on what you're missing or missed out on. Learn the lesson and create an opportunity from it by looking at what you want, not what you don't want. Uh, great question online. Jake, who do we have next? Yes. And uh, if anyone would like that agreement, please feel free to email David. It's david at dmelter.com, david at dmelter.com. Quickly resetting the room. We are here at 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time at the one and only breakfast with champions with David Meltzer. Uh, if anyone would like to ask a question, we're doing a BYOQ here on Clubhouse. So uh, please uh, uh, back, uh, back channel me and we will aim to bring you up. And then uh, next up, we've got a Question here on Clubhouse from Sarah McCord. So Sarah, if you can please unmute yourself and welcome to the Clubhouse. My question for you, David, um, because you're such a leader in media and business and marketing, is that as you make moves and your programming evolves, how do you, you know, kind of take your audience by the hand and bring them along with you so that they feel like they're kind of right in lockstep with you? What are some things that you've done over the years um, as your business has evolved, as you know, the platforms you're on have evolved to make sure that everyone feels like they're they're along for the ride and, and a part of that shared vision? I'm done speaking. You know, that's a great question, Sarah, and thank you so much. And it's interesting because the more content that you do uh, and the more that you expand and accelerate, you have to remember that everyone's not where you're at. Um, and so the perpetual nature of content and the different platforms, uh, we have to be very careful on modifying content to match the audience. So uh, my content on TikTok is different than LinkedIn, is different than Instagram, is different than YouTube, is different here as well. Um, and you're speaking not to an audience, uh, but you're taking the first step to understand what an audience is listening for and then serving that frequency to the audience for what they're listening for. Um, several different mechanisms uh, that I've utilized over the years. One, transcribing every piece of content, video, audio content, 
into word form, uh, which is incredible AI out there that allows you to do so in a very inexpensive manner, and then building your own search engine. So I have search.demelzer.com that allows my audience where they're at to search for the videos that are in and describe utilizing the words that are in, that they are most comfortable with. Um, so if they're at a level where they just, uh, you know, it resonates them to say thank you before they go to bed and when they wake up, which by the way, you know, as complex as I get into some very obscure, you know, time and, and you know, illusions and, and other things in the metaphysics and quantum physics world that I work in, that some people just want to hear the gratitude video. Um, and so we give an opportunity through allowing people to speak their language and their vocabulary as everything grows upon itself because of the perpetual nature of the platforms that you want to utilize some sort of mechanism so that people can seek and be delivered on their terms, on their frequency, the information uh, that they understand so they can grow through where you're to or go past it as well. And I think it's really important to understand the four different aspects of media um, so that you can align and synergize with that frequency and grow it um, is number one, you need to capture your content, all of it, the most that you can. You have to understand and have a team or yourself to have a strategy to modify it correctly for what people are listening for. And then also understand the channels that you can amplify on. And when I say channels, I don't just mean Clubhouse and Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn and all of those type of platforms. When I say channels, I mean people like you, Sarah, or people like Glenn or Amelia that will share your content. And they specifically will share the content that is at their frequency that resonates with them. And if it resonates with them, it'll resonate with the people, their community that that surrounds them, that speaks at that frequency or level. And then finally, we already talked about the perpetual nature by transcribing all of your content into word form so that it is much easier to search for the content that is at the frequency or level that someone is listening for. So don't necessarily think everyone's listening to you. Take the extra step, be more interested than interesting. Find out what the audience is looking for, what your spectrum is, and then strengthen your signal within the context of that spectrum in order to facilitate a better alignment and more strong relationship or resonation with what you're saying. Uh, I think this is one of the most crucial things in media and marketing. It allows you to be consistent and persistent in what you do and grow an audience at an exponential rate by understanding the strength of your signal, the spectrum, and of course, the clarity of your message of what people are listening for. Thank you so much, Sarah, I really appreciate it. Jakey Bakey, you wanna reset and uh, we'll uh, take on a question here online. Yes, let's do it. Thank you so much for the question and reset, Sarah, much appreciated. Uh, Dave, let's take a, a quick question from Instagram. Uh, I'm excited about this question because the day is finally here. It's about the Office Hours TV show that is actually airing tonight. So. The question is uh, uh, from Tori, and she asked, can you tell us about your Office Hours show that is airing today, and who was your favorite guest on the show? Well, the guests are amazing, but I do have one favorite. It's Sadhguru. <laughs> so, I mean, we have Tillman Fertitta, we have Rob Deerdeck, we have Ja Rule, we have Annika Patrick, we, I mean, Jim Quick, Jack Canfield. There's 75 of the billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers. 
And also we showcase Glenn Lundy, by the way, uh, on there as well. Uh, but by far, uh, Sadhguru, uh, as we have the first late night entrepreneur show on Bloomberg TV tonight, if you want to check it out, uh, and will be also aired uh, and binge watched on Amazon Prime Video. But he, his knowledge is incredible. If you haven't checked out Sadhguru, please do. He's like the Deepak Chopra of the world. Uh, his mission is to empower the entire world to be happy. And um, his wisdom goes beyond simplicity. <clears throat> and, and I think that best and most adequately uh, describes what I wish for everyone is that wisdom goes beyond simplicity to you, that it's just an obvious awareness that you carry in order to effectuate the ability to maximize the currencies here that we live at, you know, making a lot of money, uh, but also the oneness that we all experience, which is to help a lot of people uh, and to do good deeds. And then most importantly, rule number six, as we talk about uh, to not take yourself so seriously and have fun. Remember, every journey you're on only requires three things that you do your best, you learn something and you have fun. Write those three things down. Ask yourself after the activity you get paid for, or the activity you don't get paid for, have I done my best? What have I learned? And I've had a good time. If not, seek the light, the love, and the lessons. Figure out how to do it better next time. Realize the pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes are propelling you towards that, towards doing your best, towards learning lessons, and towards having fun. And that's going to be the most enjoyable part of pursuing uh, your own potential. So please, you know, in a shameless plug, uh, you know, from Jake and uh, whoever that was online, thank you. Uh, please join us. You'll love it. It's the best project that I've worked on. It's called Office Hours uh, on Bloomberg TV uh, and Amazon. Check it out. Uh, we have some extraordinary guests and lessons and a lot of fun uh, as well. All right, Jake, let me take another question online. What's the difference between intention versus attention? Um, you know, I think it's really important because what you pay attention to and give your intention to equals the coincidences in your life. Uh, but you need to know what to pay attention to. Where are we putting our primary focus? Do you have a vision board? Do you think about your values? Do you think about who you can help and who can help you? Are you studying your time? Are you studying it with the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude? You know, your sleep, do you have a plan? Do you have an unwinding routine? Do you have a sleep coach? All of these things are attention. Attention is what we are focusing in on. Setting forth an objective, timing and risk tolerance in an investment is attention. Uh, but intention is what we think about it, what we say about it, what we do about it, taking in consideration these unconscious competencies that we have and genetic and energetic inheritance that we've received that is codified into our quantum being, into our DNA. These uh, we can be aware of by what are the generational personality traits? What are the generational characteristics? What are the generational obsessions? What are the generational addictions uh, that we have in order to effectuate our true intention? Because what we focus in on and what we give, think, say, do, and believe through the context of our genetic and energetic inheritance determines the coincidences in our lives. And this is where people say everything happens for a reason. Yes, it does. 
those coincidences happen for a reason. And the reason is, this is what you're focusing in on, and this is what you're giving your intention to. So the distinction in relationship between attention and intention is critical to understand karma and fate, as well as achieving at this pragmatic man-made construct of time on this earth, what you want, because that's what coincidences are when things happen as you want them to happen uh, without you even knowing it, resulting in an affirmation that you're ignorant and humble, not ignorant and arrogant, that the only control that you have of the infinity or everything is what I'm paying attention to and giving the intention to. That's what we have control of, which is why I have people detach their energy and motion, emotion, from the outcome or coincidence they think they want and allow their attention and intention to create something equal to or even better than what they wanted. But you need to know what, who, and how by paying attention, and then you give it your intention of what you think, say, do, and believe, taking into consideration the genetic and energetic inheritance. Super critical in life, a super component of being happy, of making money, helping people, and having fun. Uh, thank you so much. Great question here online. Jake, go ahead. Let's ask another question or get someone up here. Let's do it. Uh, and Dave, as you just said, detach your energy and motion, your emotion from the outcome. That was a great lesson. Thank you so much. Okay, next up, we've got a question here on Clubhouse from Gigi. So Gigi, if you can please unmute yourself and feel free to ask away. Welcome. Hi. Um, first of all, happy birthday, Colleen. Uh, and David, you talked about a lot of capturing and repurpose stuff and now nfts and blockchain actually gives you a way of doing that like you can see who attends something what people are interested in and you also are the embodiment of if you want to go fa fast go alone if you want to go far go together so i was wondering if you would use these tools to find those 1000 people that will empower a thousand people that will empower a billion people if you have any plans to using blockchain and nfts or anything like that with your community and congratulations on the show <laughs> thank you so much and yes happy birthday colleen i will not forget um it's interesting because you know i walk before sorry i crawl before i walk before i run and my strategy of being more interested than interesting of finding people that sit in a situation that i want to be in to understand blockchain to understand NFTs, uh, to understand crypto uh, and utilize and understand who the market makers are, what the market is and where the margins lie. Um, and so I absolutely are going to utilize all of those different things. And I've started to, I've made investments in companies like Creatify, which is, you know, for the masses. I am working with Celsius Network, uh, which is, you know, billions of dollars now of stable coins uh, that provide Eight or over 8% interest on your money with a minimum of $100 deposit secured by a stable coin. Um, and with, you know, uh, an incredible entrepreneur, Alex Machinsky, if you haven't looked him up, he's amazing. He created VoIP, voice over IP. And a lot of the blockchain, NFT, all of these technologies are what I call MOIP, money over IP. Um, and uh, the democratization of banking, uh, with the excessive fees and usury interest and other things that have been a commonplace within our financial uh, institutions worldwide uh, will be alleviate, alleviated uh, with 
these constructs. And I encourage everyone to find mentorship as I have. The, the knowledge that I have today, which is far greater than the knowledge that I had a month ago, uh, comes from not me figuring it out. It's from mentorship, finding people like Alec Maczynski, like Mike Mamola, that you know uh, are incredible scholars and you know understand how we validate, verify how the blockchain itself creates a codification, like you said, a perpetuation of data throughout the entire sales cycle. Um, while authentication is a huge component uh, as well of blockchain and NFTs. So I encourage everyone and feel free to reach out. I have many mentors in this space, but I think the bigger lesson, Gigi, for all of us, because technology moves so quickly and, and it's so powerful because of the reach is that if you're not finding someone who sits in the situation you want to be in and asking them for help, you're not going to have time to learn about it before it's already built upon itself, aggregated upon itself and accelerated so far that you will have so much information and knowledge that you need. You won't be able to maximize the opportunity, align it with or make it synergize with your own skills, your own knowledge and your own desire. See, remember, that's the, the main construct of what we try to do when we're learning about this is not just learning about it, but not just finding the mentors that sit in the situation we wanna be that can give us directions and understanding, but align it with your own skills, knowledge, and desire to fig figure out how you fit into the market, how you relate to the market makers, and for me, most importantly, how I can create the margins. Uh, and so those are the Meltzer M's for you in any type of new technology platform, that we look for, that's how I find and, and utilize that interest so that I could be more, more interesting. Uh, and it's an unbelievable, fascinating world uh, that people are making extraordinary. It reminds me in 1992 when I got out of law school and I got a job in the internet uh, selling legal research online. Not only you know, did my mom tell me the internet would never last or work, that it was a fad, but even you know, when I got into the job, people like Justice Scalia, uh, I was blessed to present to the Supreme Court in Hawaii, uh, the Westlaw Legal Research Online. And it was in DOS with 9,600 modems on an XD computer that I wheeled in on a luggage cart. Uh, but I will never forget his comment when he first saw Westlaw, you cannot do research online. And you know, I know it was dial up, I know it was slow, I know it was DOS. He said, you can only do research in the books. This will never work. People will never do research online. <clears throat> um, when you don't know what you don't know, and uh, as an ignorant, arrogant person of the past, uh, we can see how this applies today to crypto, to NFTs, to blockchain itself. Um, I would suggest that if you run into a closed mind, regardless of the credibility, intelligence, and good heartedness of some people, we, when we don't understand, sometimes close our mind uh, to certain things that end up, you know, being a huge opportunity. So uh, if you're interested in these, find open minds, open hearts and open hands to teach you so that you can align it with your skills, knowledge and desire. Uh, thank you, Gigi, for bringing this up because I think it's really important for this group, the Breakfast of Champions community to understand and align their margins and markets and market makers to what they do. And we can all make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun with NFTs, blockchains, crypto, et cetera. Thank you again. Thank you, Gigi. Did that answer your question? Yeah, well, I'm just start to learn about this. So 
Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for joining. And uh, yeah, if anyone would like to ask a question here live on Clubhouse, just feel free to back channel me and we will bring you up. Dave, should we take a question from Instagram? We want to take a question, question from question the webinar. Yeah, let's take a check, question on the webinar. Don't ignore all these people on here as well. But um, <laughs> this is an interesting question. Is the truth everlasting? Is the truth everlasting? Well, whose truth and uh, the point of data of the truth is not everlasting, but the truth is, your truth is. And hopefully your truth is changing, which is why you should be taking inventory of your truth every day by looking at what you want personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise. See, when we're taking inventory of who we are, uh, our truth is everlasting, but it changes the data points of our truth. So I may tell you that, man, you don't, you know, this is not something I want today and I could want it tomorrow. And uh, I could like something today and hate it tomorrow, uh, but that's okay. The truth itself is everlasting because the truth is mine, my truth, my potential from the point in which I stand today, uh, utilizing my three lenses to determine my truth, the lens of productivity of how I can provide value to others the lens of accessibility of how accessible I am to others, and most importantly, how I'm accessing what I want and the lens of gratitude. Am I capable of finding what? The light, the love, and the lessons. Obviously, if I'm searching and seeking for the light, the love, and the lessons, my truth will be changing, but everlasting. The truth, truth is everlasting um, and changing uh, at all times. So uh, pursue Pursue the truth, pursue your potential, even if it's changing, even if it's everlasting. Thank you so, so much. Uh, Jake, you want to take an IG Live question or bring someone live? Let's take an IG Live question, and then next up on Clubhouse, we will be bringing up Mike Malola. So the question on IG Live, Dave, is from Formy Ninjas, and the question is, any big weekend plans? Is it good not to work on the weekends? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't believe in work. That's my thought. Right? I believe in activity. I get paid for activity. I don't get paid for. Um, I also believe that we should have activity we get paid for every day. And we should vacation every day, a minimum amount of time. I believe that two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. Uh, and so in order to be effective, efficient, and statistically successful with my activities, activity I get paid for, activity I don't, my vacation, my sleep, I have to be consistent and persistent because that's the nature for me, at least that I believe the conscious continuum works on. What do I consciously do with the five senses that I have subconsciously reinforced with about 40,000 of the same thoughts every day, creating efficiencies through neural pathways that most importantly create a signal to my quantum being, my own genetics, my own personality characteristics, all of the obsessions and addictions that I can utilize in order to be more productive, accessible, and gracious with my time. And so for me, one, the word work itself creates resistance. Work somehow in my mind has an energy of being hard. Uh, and so I would rather and prefer to look at things as activity aligned with my skills, my knowledge, and my desire, utilizing minimums inconsistent behavior with non-negotiables. So some of my non-negotiables, number one, a minimum of an hour a day on my health, a minimum amount of time with each of the most important people in my life, my wife, my 11-year-old, my teenage daughters, for example, I have three of them. They get a minimum 
I said minimum of two minutes a day. I asked for five, they gave me two. So if anybody, I know a lot of people request uh, negotiation training from me. You're much better off going to my daughter's. The most I got was two. But those two minutes, like I said, are worth more than two hours on a Saturday. And I'm in constant, consistent connectivity with those most importantly, <clears throat> important to me. And as everybody knows that has heard me before, one of the best minutes that I spend a day is a minimum of one minute a day with my mom, re-engineering uh, the relationship with my mom by telling her every day the four things that she wants to know that has healed our relationship immensely, extraordinarily. And that is one, I let her know I'm healthy. Two, I let her know I'm happy. Three, I let her know that I love her. And four, I appreciate her, that she adds value to my life. Those four simple statements, those connections that are made every day, a minimum of a minute a day of talking to her has healed a lot of uh, the separate separation ego that exists between mother and child and has really changed my life. So make sure that you utilize uh, activity instead of work. Make sure you have minimums of amount of time for the non-negotiables. I do also spend a minimum amount of time studying my activity, studying my calendar, studying my time in order to be, you know, and to put my attention and intention onto the coincidences of my activities so that I'm more statistically successful, which makes me more happy, allows me uh, to do that as well. Um, so hopefully we got the sound back up here and everybody can hear me. Jake, go ahead. Reset the room. Thank you, Dave. And yes, the sound is good just on Instagram, which we will get fixed. So thank you, everybody. Uh, yeah, resetting the room. This is the Breakfast with Champion, 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time here with David Meltzer. We've got about 20 minutes left. So if you'd like to an uh, ask a question here on Clubhouse, please uh, back channel me and we will aim to bring up as many people as possible. Dave, of course, is live as well on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook and the Zoom been doing for over 21 years now so thank you everybody for asking your questions uh and dave if people want to learn uh negotiation training from your daughters what's what's the best way to get in contact with them <laughs> email me if you want anything just email me i'm happy to help anybody uh, by the way jake too uh i know this sounds crazy and people think i'm crazy but uh you know i'm willing to give five minutes to anyone so uh if you want to set up a five minute call and, and you need uh, me to be of service or value to you, please just set it up. Email me, David at dmelter.com. I'm happy to give anyone five minutes of my time. I got a 520 rule, five minute phone calls, 20 minute meetings and interviews. Uh, I do have exceptions. So people don't think, you know, I'm a complete robot, uh, but that is a methodology that I've utilized branding myself with to help as many people as I can. So thanks again, Jake, where we're going to take is Mike Momola coming up. Who's coming up now? Yes. Next up, we've got Mike Momola here on Clubhouse. So, Mike, if you could please unmute yourself and welcome to the. Good morning. Good morning. I'm having a bit of a connectivity issue. I hope you can hear me. Congratulations, Dave, on office hours. Uh, super excited for that tonight. Bloomberg TV and Amazon Prime. And I am just bouncing hotel room walls over here about NFTs and uh, crypto and asking the right questions. and to asking questions is this i think with a lot and a lot of uh, individuals entrepreneurs especially it's difficult to mentally get to that place where they're able to ask their colleagues or or others the questions that need to be asked because they see that as a sign of weakness and instilled in that there's some fear and you know i i think that 
what I've learned most from you is that that's necessary. You have to get through that to ask questions, not only questions, but the right questions and the hard questions. How do you prepare people to ask those questions, to realize that, you know, the foundation of courage is vulnerability and you need to get through that to get to the next stage? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, so you need to practice. Um, what I have found, and I was a horrible example, I never asked anyone for help. People ask me, how the hell do you lose over $100 million? Well, I didn't ask anyone for help. I thought I was in control. I lived my life with ignorant arrogance, not ignorant humility. And practicing humility is not easy uh, because we have to get over a lot of fear, a lot of inadequacy, a lot of separation of either feeling superior or inferior. Uh, both are separate feelings, both are ego-based resistance, both create void shortages and obstacles to what we want. Uh, because the easiest and fastest way to get what we want is find someone that has it and ask them for it or ask them directions on how to get it at the very least. Um, and so we need to practice asking. And the more we ask, the better we feel about asking because we start seeing how connected we are to and through the greatest source of power, light, and love and lessons, the greatest source, the omniscient source, the all-powerful source. And the more that we see our brothers and sisters as one with us by honoring them, by making an investment in them, by allowing them to make an investment in us, by simply asking for help. But I will tell you that I have a practice of humility that I work at so that I stay in humility almost the entire day. Yes, I spend minutes and moments with the need to be right, the need to be offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful. I do that every single day. I had great experience last weekend or the weekend back uh, that I was just amazed what an idiot I was after and a hypocrite after teaching uh, in the morning about ego uh, that somehow after being hungry in a hurry going to the airport my food not being ready going the wrong way uh, that I ended up screaming at the top of my lungs at my wife who I adore and love and I hope uh, you know she's used to forgiving me uh, that she did it again understand that I'm human and spend at this time only minutes and moments and didn't destroy my entire weekend by accelerating in the wrong direction. So practice being humble, practice asking. When you do, you will feel more and more comfortable with every question you ask about how connected we are. You will reduce, dissolve, and dissipate all the interference that you've caused in the past with these ego-based triggers. One other trigger, by the way, Mike, is the people that we're most relative to, the people that we're closest to. These are most of the time called relatives. These are the uh, statistically the greatest chance of triggers. And it's because the more we know someone, the more we've experienced life with them, the more snapshots they have of us, which will trigger the ego. And you know, everyone suffers from this with relativity that they get frustrated, angry, upset, worried, guilty, resentful, all of these different feelings of separateness, of inferiority and superiority with those people that we have experienced the most of our life with, the people who we care the most with. And so although it's counterintuitive that we would be the most gracious with those that we know the best or most relative to us, it's actually the exact opposite. So just having the awareness that those that are most relative to us will trigger the ego the most, which is terrible because when the 
ego is triggered, the blood leaves the brain, goes to your body so you can fight, flee, fight, or the other F word, you know, that's bad. You can't think with your higher power of thinking. And so I want everyone to start identifying those triggers and utilize the mechanisms in which we start practicing radical humility through asking. Uh, I think this is a critical uh, component for me in in life. And hopefully uh, that question by itself, Mike, uh, has helped you and many others. So thank you for asking it. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you, Mike. Looking forward to seeing you tonight at the launch party of Office Hours. So uh, yeah, next up, Dave, do you want to answer a question on the webinar? You want to take another one here on Clubhouse? Clubhouse? Yeah, I'll take uh, one here on the webinar. We got about 13 minutes left. It's the Breakfast of Champions with my extraordinary friend, Glenn Lundy, and many, many others. Uh, And I'm so excited to be a part of this community. That's been a godsend to me and a blessing uh, on my mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. Uh, I will take this question now. Uh, Why do 99% of the people quit before they get to 25% of the way towards completing their goal? (laughs) This is the problem of segmentation. Um, and it's the aggregate of positive and negative behavior. What do I mean by that? Is that when we do positive things, we expect a very quick, if not an instant result. And if we are doing negative things, most of the time, we don't think it'll impact or affect us at all. We do not anticipate a result. Uh, The truth is, is that we live on a conscious continuum. Things aggregate upon themselves. This is where Einstein came up with his rule of 72, that it takes 72 segments uh, in order for something to double. Um, And whatever amount of time it takes for those segments to occur, uh, uh, that's the rule of 72. In the context of that, I like to use a pond analogy of wanting something. And if I would tell you that it would take you 20 months to get what you wanted for your business to break even or for your relationship uh, to develop, whatever it may be, Um, think about it like a pond and in 20 months, uh, each month, one lily would appear and double. Uh, and so in month one of the 20 month, you would have one lily and in month two, you would have two and in month three, you would have four. And so whatever our objectives are, this idea that people quit before they get to 90% of the way is because after 18 months, after everyone's telling you your pond's never going to be full, this is not working, you know, there's better things you should be doing than filling your pond with lilies, you know, all of the negative things that other people want for you, all the negative things that your own internal voice is telling you, all the times you focus in on what's missing, what you don't have and what you don't want, 99% of the people start listening to the other people to what they don't have or don't want, what's missing, and they quit. because. After 18 months, after hoping and even being told that all it's going to take is 20 months to fill the pond, most people quit because you only have 25% of your pond full. In fact, it's probably the only time, you know, after 90% of the time has gone by that you actually can be aware of a result. And this is where people literally lose out. Why? Because of the 1% that continue on in the next year or month, sorry, uh, when you get to 19 months, the pond's only 50% of the way full. Now those voices get stronger of other people telling you what's missing, what you don't have, what you don't want. And you start focusing your intention and attention on that. 
of the 1% that carry on from the 18th segment or the 18th month to the 19th, 99% of the 1% quit there. Why is that so awful? Because you're only 5% or one month away from being 100%. And even worse, in the 21st month, you're 200%. You need two pawns and then four pawns and then eight pawns. The aggregate effect of positive behavior takes too long for us to, number one, be aware of it, but it takes too long for us to appreciate it. We have a very difficult time reconciling persistence with patience because why? We're not utilizing the currency of faith. See, if we believe that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving source that feels the same way about us, that we feel about our children, that is looking in our best interest to accelerate, grow, and expand the positive things that we're doing, saying, and believing, then we will never quit. We will just evolve and utilize the pain, the setbacks, the failures, the negative voices, what's missing, what we don't want to propel us to a better place, a better position, not to punish us not to stop us, not to waste our time, emotion, and energy, and money from something that we are pursuing and almost there, but yet we are incapable of understanding it because of this rule of segmentation, because of compound interest, because of acceleration. So if you enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of those 20 segments, if you enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of the potential of filling the pond and then having two, four, eight, ponds filled, if you enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit and attach your emotions to that consistent, persistent pursuit, you will get there actually faster, but at the very least, you will get there. If you attach your emotions to the outcome, put attention and intention on what other people want, what's missing, what you don't have, you'll be one of the 99% of the 1% or 99% of the next 1% that quit and never get what they want. This is a crucial lesson to learn the laws of segmentation, compound interest, and acceleration. Remember, positive behavior will aggregate the same as negative behavior, and our incapability of being aware of that, that subtle growth and acceleration and aggregation should not be what starts or stops you. It should just be an indicator that you have a better place to be. So please don't quit. All right, Jake, uh, we have seven minutes. Reset the room. It's BYOQ. Everybody's bringing some great questions. Hopefully we're bringing some valuable answers. BYOQ, as you mentioned, Dave. Thank you for these incredible questions from everywhere. We've got, as Dave mentioned, seven minutes left. This is the Breakfast with Champions, 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, we've got, uh, let's take a quick minute here. Please feel free to uh, follow the people next to you. Follow the people on stage. We're really creating an unbelievable community here on Breakfast with Champions and here on Clubhouse. So take a quick second, connect with the people next to you, and let's create an incredible community. So next up, Dave, we've got a question here on Clubhouse. We've got a question from Danny F. So Danny, if you can please unmute yourself and feel free to ask. Thank you all so much for having me, David. I, I want to get advice on nonprofit founders, um, just any any advice that you have for new nonprofit founders? Thank you so much for your time. Oh, no, thank you. And this is very important to me as well, working with so many nonprofits. Uh, the number one thing of a nonprofit founder is to do the due diligence of other nonprofits that may be already doing what you're doing, synergistic or supplementary to what you're doing. Uh, one of the things about a nonprofit founder that I found is they haven't done uh, or been enough uh, interest in 
who's already doing what I'm doing instead of reinventing the wheel by joining forces. There's so many nonprofits out there by joining uh, forces with those that share a purpose is a great way to accelerate. And instead of building your own nonprofit, creating a chapter or a branch of an existing nonprofit is probably the greatest lesson that I've learned. Uh, when I ran Lee Steinberg, the sports agency, we used to require every athlete to create their own foundation, to have their own purpose or cause related to what's important to them. And what we found a lot of the times was that it was much better uh, to align the athlete or celebrity with an existing foundation that was either completely identical to the purpose or cause or synergistic or supplementary to it and allowing that adaptation of the purpose or cause or the you know own passion of the person creating that foundation. So the number one piece of advice I say for a founder of a nonprofit is to do more research on what exists today. Uh, at the very least, you'll learn what you can do and how you want to alter or adapt what other people are doing. Most of the time, what you'll find is that it's much easier to join forces than to create your own. And there's so many foundations out there already established that it's very rare that I find people that have a very unique uh, proposition that cannot be supported or supplemented by an existing network, an existing structure, an existing people and community uh, that will accelerate what you're trying to do. Uh, so you can go ahead and reach out to me. I you know, have a few mechanisms that I use to find those uh, different charities in your area or nationally or even internationally that may be aligned with Synergistic or at least supplement what you're doing and accelerate what you're doing. Uh, obviously, giving back is a, a main purpose of what I do in order to empower others. So number one, appreciate you for your service. Two, ask for help. Be more interested than interesting find out what's already existing. Uh, thank you so much. All right, Jake, want to take a question from IG? Yes, let's take a question from IG. It is 6.57, so we've got three, question, uh, three minutes left. Uh, the question here, Dave, is how do you apply stop, drop, and roll to your ego? <laughs> so first of all, when our ego is in play, one of these triggers of the ego or the need you know, to fight flee, feed, or fornicator, uh, then you have to be able to identify it. So I think before you can stop, drop, and roll, you have to understand when your mind, your body, and soul are on fire, right? Because everybody knows when you're on fire, that's when you stop, drop, and roll. And so the hardest part of the stop, drop, and roll process is to identify when you're on fire. Uh, and the reason is, is when we're on fire, all the blood's leaving our brain, and we're not thinking straight. So we sometimes even internally, I, I, I know uh, now that I've been in this practice of radical humility for so long that when my mind, body, and soul are on fire, when my ego is in play and I get upset or angry or worried or frustrated or separate, um, I'll talk to myself while I'm upset. And sometimes I'll even you know, like try to shut myself up or in other words, try to stop myself. Like, oh, you didn't say, stop, what do you, but yet my adrenaline's going, my mind's not capable of stopping me. And so uh, if I can identify eventually, and it will get faster how long it takes you to identify when you're in ego-based consciousness, now the hardest part after identification is being able to stop because our natural 
biochemistry tells us to resist it, fight it, go over it, under it, through it, yell at it, uh, lie to it, manipulate it, cheat it, whatever it says to us to do in response to the fire. But instead, it's so difficult, one, to identify, but then two, just to stop. And what we want to do if we can stop is then breathe, breathe through our nose, out through our mouth in order to drop. And when we drop down to center or to neutral or to peace, it allows the blood to go back into our higher power of thinking, into our brain, so that we can effectuate, effectuate what we want, a good decision, a peaceful decision, a resistant, free, effortless resi uh, decision. And then we can roll back into what we want, who we can help, who can help us, how we best efficiently, effectively, with statistical success, can be productive, accessible, and gracious. In other words, we now can do it now or know our now or prioritize by what's important to us not was urgent through the adrenaline, through the separation, but what's important to us, allowing us not to search for our why, but to apply our why. It's 7 a.m. here on the Pacific uh, time at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's the Breakfast of Champions. We're going to be handing off. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on BYOQ. You bring the questions, we'll bring the answer. Everyone online, I've uh, been doing this for over 21 years trying to be of service or value. I am gracious to have the opportunity every Friday at 6 a.m. Please join us tonight on Bloomberg office hours uh, with incredible people, uh, an incredible team, an incredible community. Happy birthday, Colleen. Uh, Glenn, Jake, please close uh, down this segment and hand it off. Uh, remember everyone, be kind to your future self, do good deeds. Feel free to reach out to me, david at dmelzer.com. Thank you.